Mike Novotny brings Dawn and Steve some hot-button issues dominating our culture. Some might call them taboo, but hiding from hard conversations won't work in this day and age. Join the conversation anytime, 800-555-7898. So I'm looking at the uh, cover of this book that Mike Novotny has written, and there's words on here like depression, race, politics, abortion, transgenderism, sexual intimacy, suicide, pornography, alcohol, divorce, and I didn't name them all. Mike, uh, you went after all the hot-button issues in this book here, didn't you? Yes. Um, buy a copy of the book. There's a stick of deodorant that we duct tape to the back <laughs> so you're prepared for all of it. <laughs> well, Mike Novotny is a pastor, speaker, author, and a host on a Time of Grace. And, man, I'm so glad that we get to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to talking with you about this because these are topics that are so often not discussed in mm. our churches and in polite Christian circles here. Uh, why do you think it is that we, even though this is stuff that people are dealing with, we're not going to talk about it, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of reasons that pastors or parents or even Christian friends don't bring up the stuff that's really going on. It it might be intimidation. I don't know what to say about this. It's a complex issue. Um, it might be shame. Uh, I'm afraid that if I say I'm struggling with this or I have questions about that, boom, the church is going to pounce on me. And so for a whole bunch of different reasons, we tend to either say nothing or just say one side of an issue, you know, what's blunt and true or to be kind and gentle. And what I'm trying to do in this book is kind of get back to how Jesus was in John 1.14, that he was full of grace and truth. So I think if we can bring those two things to these conversations, God's going to open some doors and do some really beautiful things. Well, I so appreciate that you are a pastor who is willing to talk about it, and you uh, are wanting to go there. And I would imagine that comes out of what you're seeing in your church and what you're seeing in culture, you know, evangelical culture, broad brush. For sure. Yeah, actually, I would say it starts even further back with my own story that um, the first line of this book talks about um, the time I finally stepped into the light and got help with an addiction to pornography. Um, you know, I was a, a kid who loved Jesus, went to church every Sunday, read my Bible every day, memorized scriptures on this topic, and I just couldn't break free from that addiction until I started talking about this really taboo thing. And so, yeah, I, I've seen that as a pastor too, but I saw it in my own life that, man, you can really struggle with some embarrassing stuff if you're struggling by yourself. And I want to give people like a an evangelical push yeah. <laughs> to step into the light and really find the the blessing of living in community, having an open Bible and good people around you to talk about these difficult issues. All right. So that had to be kind of scary to be able to say, okay, I am going to open up and bring this that has been, you know, hidden for so long into the light. I was there a lot of fear and trepidation that came along with that? Or what brought you <laughs> to the part of saying, okay, I'm I'm willing to, in a sense, air my dirty laundry. Yeah. Yeah, kind of scary would be a massive understatement. Um, it, what what was so great, though, I mean, it was terrifying. You know, you're sweating, your thoughts are racing. It, I think one of the devil's best tactics that makes him so successful is that he convinces us that it's going to be a hundred times worse than it actually is. Hmm. Everyone's going to judge you. Everyone's going to be disgusted with you. And what I what I saw in my own story and now, as I lead life groups and small groups where we try to be really candid and honest, almost every—I know Christians can be bad, too, obviously, but I've seen people just react with compassion, with forgiveness, with grace. Hey, thanks for the courage for saying that. We're going to be praying for you. How can we help you? 
And the, you know, the de- Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. Yeah. And I think the the granddaddy of all his lies is don't say this or it'll go terrible for you. Because maybe he kind of knows when people say this, when we say this and confess this, it it normally goes really well for us. And, which I think is fascinating because most of us are so scared. In fact, just last week we were talking with a Christian music artist on the air and he admitted that alcohol used to be one of the things that he really, really struggled with. And there was that fear of opening up and bringing that into the light. And whether it's pornography or alcohol or any other thing, I I continue to hear from people who say, as I found the courage to do that and stepped into that, the number one response I got was not guilt, not shame, not all these other things. It was, wow, thank you for saying that. You too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. We... I was sometimes say we're, we we think people are going to say you, and they normally say me too. Yeah. And if you have the courage to say it, I bet you there's one or two or ten or a hundred people in your church or in your family who are in the same boat. Um, there's a great passage. Um, James five sixteen says, "Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed." Yeah. And I think of that. Like I, I can be forgiven without telling Steve about my sins, but there's some healing and some growth that probably won't happen if I just keep this between me and Jesus. And so just that power of community, the power of prayer. I want to lean into that more because we kind of live in a keep it close to the vest Christian culture, smile, put on your Sunday best, <laughs> only confess things, things like, you know, sometimes when I'm on the highways or on Nashville, I drive five miles over the speed limit. So pray for me, y'all. <laughs> like we yeah. have really safe confessions or only things in the past we talk about. Um, I, I want to get to like present struggles and difficult topics because I, I, honestly, that's the stuff we need the most help with. Pastor Mike Novotny is with us this morning. He has written the book entitled Taboo. It's all about the topics that Christians should be talking about, but don't. And maybe you've got a question or comment. Feel free to text in this morning, 800-555-7898. That's 800-555-7898. Well, I always uh, heard, or you probably heard the phrase too growing up, there are things that we don't talk about, you know, politics and religion are two of the big things. And we talk about religion all the time here on this radio station. Politics, not necessarily as much, but should we be talking about that? We're going to get into that with Mike coming up next. It's Don and Steve in the morning. All right. You maybe heard growing up that you don't talk about politics and religion in, uh, you know, civil and, and polite company. But those are two of the topics that really can be quite divisive. But yet... I mean, if we are followers of Jesus, it should inform and impact all of our lives, right? Including politics. But yet, I think, uh, Mike, we have seen the church get so angry and hostile and and fractured as we have tried to bring politics back into the conversation here. So Mike Novotny is a pastor and author. He's written about these taboo subjects here. And uh, how do you think we as followers of Christ, those who are, need to be thinking about engaging the conversation of politics well? Yeah, great question. Steve, um, you might not have heard this. I, I just read it on the internet the other day. Did you know there's a presidential election this year? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are dreading that. doesn't matter what yeah. side of the aisle you're on, what color you claim. Right. I think we're all kind of dreading that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think my fear as a Christian, and it's not an unfounded fear, is that God cares so deeply about our growth in Christ, our sanctification, and the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And my fear is that the strong winds of an election year will strip most of us of the fruit of the Spirit. 
that mm-hmm. if we don't have a good biblical perspective on this, that the fear of the election, the intensity, kind of the general culture of you know attack ads, I, I fear that we as followers of Jesus will get sucked into that because it's very, very powerful. So um, one of the things I think it's super healthy to do is, uh, I did this two weeks ago, is to read the New Testament and see what it says about politics. Because hmm. the, the politics of the first century were a, a big deal. I mean, what was happening with Rome yep. and, you know, Roman soldiers and tax collectors. So, you know, not that long ago, I typed in to a New Testament search engine, show me every single verse that uses words like king, kingdom, rule, ruler, throne, taxes, govern, governing, governor. And I hit the return button. And what I found was so fascinating. I found a ton of passages in the New Testament that use those words, and almost all of them are about God. Hmm. Okay. That there, there's a kingdom of the God. Kingdom of God. Jesus, sure. Jesus is the king of kings. Yep. Um, you know, Revelation says it's going to be crazy in the end times, but the throne, the throne, the throne, the lamb sits on the throne. God sits on the throne. He rules. He's the prince of peace. And, you know, I'm thinking about a letter like to the Romans. Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians living in Rome. And he mentions politics in Romans 13 about submitting to the governing authorities. But right before he mentions it and right after it, he has these really long discourses on the importance of Christian love. Yeah. And he, he says, let's not return evil for evil. Let's heap burning coals on the heads of our enemies. Let's leave vengeance to God. Let's have the continuing debt to love one another well. And so I think before we get pulled into like, oh, I, I need my person, my party to sit in the seat of power, let's try to imitate the first century Christians who who face some real difficult political realities, but 95% of their focus was on the kingdom of God and their Savior Jesus who sits on the throne. And so as some of us try and engage in what we would say are biblical issues, issues like you know, sexual identity and gender and abortion and these things where we can look to Scripture and say, I believe this to be true because, Mm -hmm. and that conversation so often, as much as we may try and keep it out of the political arena, somebody Mm -hmm. is going to want to try and force it there and take it there. Is there a way, Mike, that you've found to be able to say, okay, we're going to talk about those issues but we're not going to try and let that conversation devolve into left, right, blue, red, politic. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, oh, excuse me. I maybe want to start with the unique goals that God has for the church and the state. So if I'm in my church preaching a sermon with an open Bible, you know, assuming we're followers of Jesus the King, you know, the Bible has a different role for the preaching of the church versus the execution of the government. Um, when I'm reading First Peter 2 or Romans 13, the, the apostles didn't expect the secular rulers to live out a biblical worldview. And so I think there's different expectations between, here's my personal beliefs that I'm trying to uphold in my church and with brothers and sisters in Christ, and a broader society picture. I, I think a lot of Christians m- miss that. We kind of want, we want the government to be Christian. We want to elect Christian people so they can make Christian laws. But the, you know, the biggest law is to believe in Jesus with your whole heart, but I don't want fines and prison sentences for such things, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think maybe it's good to biblically educate ourselves on the, the the two kingdoms, we might say, that God has, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Jesus. 
And then if I can add something real quick, I would say if we can lead with these difficult issues with compassion, um, you know, thinking about gender, for example, um, having talked to people who are struggling with gender identity and just see the like the deep distress and struggle, it doesn't change my view of what God says about male and female. But instead of just coming in hot, talking about, you know, bathroom laws and, you know, switching pronouns, I'm kind of, yeah, I, I see how people are struggling and it creates some common ground with love and compassion, have a, a fruitful conversation instead of getting out our, you know, our weapons of argumentation and try to win. Let's just begin with real people that God loves and start from there and then see where the conversation goes. Mike Novotny is with us. He's a lead speaker on Time of Grace, pastor, author of Taboo, Topics Christians Should Be Talking About But Don't. And we're going to continue the conversation with Mike coming up in a few moments. If you want to join the conversation, you can text in this morning, 800-555-7898. Mike Novotny is a pastor, author, speaker, lead speaker on and teacher on Time of Grace. And I love the fact that Pastor Mike is not afraid to tackle the tough topics, the taboo topics that, uh, you know, we know people are dealing with. But, you know, in our Christian circles, we're maybe a little bit more hesitant to talk about and to say, all right, this is truth based on uh, God's word. And Mike, in your book, uh, Taboo, you spend quite a bit of uh, the book dealing with issues of sexuality, gender, identity. And I, I know that that is one of those real hot button issues right now. I, I lump them all into one. <laughs> Many issues incorporated in human sexuality and identity uh, there. Yeah. But as you have been uh, you know, preaching these messages, writing the book, talking with people, when we think about our identity and sexuality, is there one angle or idea that you think is the biggest hot button one right now? Yeah. You know, what I found to be super helpful is that when the Bible talks about sex, um, let's say in the book of Romans or in 1 Corinthians 6, um, it presents a sexual ethic that is really challenging for everyone in the room. Yeah. So sometimes when we hear this topic, we we tend to think of people who have same-sex attraction or who are gay. Um, and, And that's certainly mentioned in those chapters. But it's not just for gay people. What the Bible says to straight people, uh, for example, about the goodness of sex, to be excited about it, to talk. Well, I know a lot of straight couples who struggle with that dynamic. Um, sure. There's, there's... Different desires in marriage and serving people. I, I do a lot of counseling, not with gay couples, but with straight couples who are trying to figure this out. Um, pornography is a struggle. Obviously, that's part of my story. Um, so in a lot of the chapters here of Taboo, I- I'm trying to get back to like this robust um, sexual ethic in the Bible that's really challenging for all of us. It, it calls lots of us to repentance and good conversations. And my favorite part, Steve, is that um, the New Testament Christians, a lot of them, especially from Greek cultures, had huge baggage. And I mean, we're talking about prostitution and goddesses and sacrifices. And yet, yep. when Jesus showed up, the gospel was so good and so complete that these sexual sinners weren't second-rate Christians or damaged or broken. The gospel was sufficient to cleanse them and call them beautiful in the sight of God. Hmm. So that's what I want to get back to. Like, yeah, let's not water down the truth for any of us. And and let's not forget that when Jesus saw that woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he said, I don't condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Yeah. It's it's so good. And I think of, uh, you know, in New Testament letters where, you know, the statement is made, and that is what some of you were. 
right? Yes. And uh, new identity. Like that was, yes, that was a part of your past. That's your history, but that doesn't have to be your identity anymore. But Mike, yeah. you know, we're talking to people this morning who are saying, I wish I could say that was my were, that that was my past. I know mm. that I shouldn't be looking at porn. I know that I shouldn't be entertaining these thoughts and ideas and things that I'm, I'm doing here. But man, I just can't seem to break the cycle. What do we yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you two passages. Um, so in the heart of my addiction, the the page that I almost wore out to little pieces from touching it so much was Romans 7 and 8, where the Apostle Paul, he was taught what well, he writes Romans 25 years after he had become a Christian. And in Romans 7, he isn't talking about like the old Paul. He's saying right now, these good things that I want to do, I, I just don't do them. And these sins that I hate, I, he says, I keep on doing them. So he, it's almost like Paul, the guy, the guy who's writing half the New Testament, would say, I get it. Yeah, there's yeah. sins. He doesn't say what they were, but he was still struggling. But what I love, 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 he says, you know, what a wretched man I am. And then in Romans 8, verse 1, one of the best verses in the Bible, in my opinion, he says, but right now, not in the future when I get better, not new and improved, Paul, right now, there is no condemnation not a bit of it, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, Stephen, the original Greek of that verse, the very first word in Greek is none. Wow. No, none condemnation. I know it's bad English, but Paul, after confessing his huge struggle, he said, there's not an ounce, there's not an inch, there's not one percent. Like, Jesus' sacrifice was so, so good that there's none. Like, that's done, it's finished, you're forgiven, we're going to keep fighting, and we're going to do things like maybe taking a bold step to reach out to a pastor, a friend, a counselor, a parent, confess your sins to one another, James 5, 16. But I just want everyone listening to know that like you, you might be just like Paul, and you keep on doing the things that you hate, but Christ's sacrifice was sufficient for that. So, so cling to him. Believe the promise of the gospel today because you are forgiven. That's such a, a powerful truth, and when we can believe that— internally like when that has permeated not just our mind but our hearts and we write you know we own that uh truth it is such a game changer i'm, I'm so glad you took us there mike mike novotny with us he is the uh, lead teacher on time of grace author of taboo and we're going to come back continue the conversation with him coming up in just a few moments if you got a question or comment feel free to weigh in this morning 800-555-7898 on moody radio well, Mike Novotny is having to bring the sparkle this morning with Don out of the studio here, but uh, he certainly does that. You also bring maybe a little bit of the heat as you're tackling the taboo topics, uh, Mike. And with our last few minutes that we have here, we're going to go to a big one and one that I think is probably kind of a hidden epidemic in our churches, unfortunately, that being the topic of abuse. I would imagine that uh, this is a topic that, you know, was kind of uncomfortable to uh, address and talk about because, you know, if the statistics hold true, the people in our churches are dealing with this regularly. Yeah, yeah so true. Yeah, so the book has 29 chapters. We tackle politics and race and pornography and sex and gender, suicide, depression, anxiety, marital intimacy, divorce. Um, all of these chapters came out of messages we did live at our church. So I had to, you know, look lots of people in the eye and yes. uh, pray, pray like mad. Uh, but Steve, if there was one that really, really intimidated me, um, they, it was the sermons that we had on abuse. 
And the reason why is because, you know, you, you want to bring things into the light and talk about them, but in a way that's not re-traumatizing for people. Yeah. So maybe that's good for us to say now. Um, it, it It's hard to know everyone's story, but just we want to bring this and talk about it, not to dredge up those old memories of the past, but just to let you know some really clear biblical things like God hates abuse. Um, one of the most graphic Bible passages comes from Psalm 11 that says God hates with a passion those who do violence. Yep. And sometimes when you've been abused by someone who's violent with their their words or their actions, and they can just make you feel like God's on their side, and this just bold, almost shocking stance that God is on the side of the defenseless and the oppressed is so good to know. Um, you know, sometimes you think God doesn't care or God isn't listening. Why doesn't he save us? From these kind of things. But God has gone on the record. Jesus went on the record that he hates the harm of children and everyone for that fact. Mm -hmm. And to know that your abuser might have spoken to you in such a degrading way that it's hard to look in the mirror and see anything of value. But because of the gospel of Jesus, I mean, we've said it before, and it applies here too, that God delights in his church. He, He likes you right? Yeah. He's not he's not intimidated by the brokenness of it. Uh, I love Zephaniah 3, 17, like God, he rejoices over us with singing. And if you've been through abuse in your past, I just want you to know that, that um, God's not holding his breath with you. He's not letting you sneak in the back door of heaven. Like he loves you so, so dearly. And the abuse will end, I hope, very, very soon. I hope he provides a way of escape. But this is the ultimate hope that we have, that we won't have to live in fear forever. You know, Mike, one of the things that I think sometimes the, the church has not done real well is when someone does have the courage to come forward and to admit that they have been abused and maybe mm-hmm. they're currently being abused and they are finally reaching out and saying, mm-hmm. this is my reality. I need mm-hmm. help. How yeah. would you encourage individuals in the church to respond yeah. when someone finally has the courage to come forward with that. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know, that is a huge moment. And if someone has entrusted you with that, please, uh, God has given you a great work to do. Yeah. And it, it's going to be messy, and there's going to be different sides of the story. But just being that safe place, thanking someone for the courage that it took, reaching out and getting help. A common mistake we make as Christians is because we believe in forgiveness and unconditional love, Sometimes we lack boundaries and justice. Yes. So, you know, abusers know exactly what they're doing. They know how to manipulate very well. So they can say they're sorry, they're going to change. It wasn't this bad. It was a bad day. And we have to have kind of the shrewdness and wisdom to be able to protect the innocent like Jesus would. So don't be less forgiving. (laughs) Just, Just be as passionate about justice and protecting people as Jesus is. So open your arms. Listen well. Get other people involved. Don't kind of hide this. Like we need to bring people who have much experience with abuse to help with the situation, to bless everyone involved in the in the situation itself. And so, last question uh, along these lines, then, Mike, what would you say to the person listening this morning who says, "I'm the abused, and I don't know what to do for help. It, I'm I'm scared." to come forward and to let anybody know that this is my, my reality because I'm afraid if I tell somebody, it, it could get worse. Yeah. I wish that wasn't a, a valid fear. 
but in their desire to control, sometimes abusers do such things, and it's hard to escape. Um, I, I would say both church and local resources, that there are professionals in your community, just Google it, your community, abuse victims. Um, a couple blocks from my church is a great place that helps people escape such situations. <laughs> so take a deep breath, talk about the taboo thing. It's It's going to be uncomfortable and awkward and scary, but on the other side of that awkwardness, God has a better life for you. You know, as we uh, wrap up, I, I keep thinking about what you said early in the conversation. By bringing these things into the light, we often find that it's not as scary as it once was or as we thought it was going to be. Pastor Mike Novotny with us. He has written the book, Taboo. Uh, and Mike, we so appreciate you taking the time, spending that with us and helping us look at and address these tough, tough topics. And certainly I commend this book to you. Again, Taboo by Mike Novotny. We'll put the link on our Facebook page. Don and Steve in the morning.